Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dub and Rose podcast. This is Walter Emerson. Thank you again for uh, joining me in this uh, new season that I have going. I'm uh, attempting now to bring St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese along with us on our journey. And, you know, I've been talking a lot over the, you know, from the beginning over the first few seasons about a lot of uh, concepts. I mean, you know, most of my writing over the years and even the, the, the discussions and podcasts I've been doing have mostly been around the influence of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese in my, in my life. And that's because the emphasis has been not so much telling the story as it has uh, their story, as it has been talking about the positive impact that they've had on me. And then relating the model that I built, because I sort of pursued this in a very organized way and, and, you know, over the years and began, you know, putting sort of a model together and then I wanted to kind of share that because I thought that might be inspiring to other people and might be able to, to help other people. And so what I want to do now is, is, and I started in the last episode, is bringing St. Joan and St. Therese a little closer to us on our, on our journey. Now, as, uh, as far as the stories go, uh, <clears throat> here's something I would recommend. I'm also the co-host with Amy Chase on a podcast called Heroic Hearts. And you can find it at heroic-hearts.com. Heroic-hearts.com. And in, <clears throat> in that podcast, we I, I think you really enjoy it. We start in season one with the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the story of St. Joan of Arc through the lens of Mark Twain. And in, in Mark Twain's book. And then in season two, we tell the, the story of St. Therese through the lens of Heather King's book, Shirt of Flame. And I, and I really think you'll enjoy it. And our purpose there was really to tell you about these saints. And, in, and you know, you kind of notice in my own podcast, I, I want to do a little bit more of that. But mostly what I'm talking about is the phenomenon of their impact on me and how I have gone about trying to construct the model of, of what this, what this means and how the meaning of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese have so positively impacted my life. So what I'm doing is a little bit different and I'm, I want to kind of continue in this path. And as I bring St. Joan and St. Therese more into this podcast, it's going to be different. It's going to be more like trying to layer my, my model I've been talking about over their, 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 their story to speak about it in this sort of phenomenological way of, of, that I've been going about. You know, and my goal actually in the long run is to try to bring people try to bring the metaphysics together with the phenomenology so that as Catholics, we, you know, we have a deep understanding of our faith. You know, we understand the scholasticism of the medieval age. We, we understand St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine. And so we have all of the, what, what I'll call metaphysics, uh, those things which are unchanging uh, that we teach throughout the, the, throughout the church. So we have all that. 
And the point of trying to bring more modern phenomenology into it is to help us receive that in a way that has a deeper impact on our life. Well, how would I dare to do such a thing if it were not for Edith Stein, who, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, who in fact did that. Uh, she really led the way for us in bringing uh, her modern phenomenology into the metaphysics of the church in a way that stayed true to the context of, of the church. And so she's kind of our, our leader and mentor here. So as I go forward, that's what I'll be doing is leaning more in that direction. And I think between this podcast and the Heroic Hearts, you're really going to get a really good picture, I think, of St. Jones and St. Therese. Now, Amy also has a wonderful Substack site called Occidental Tourist. And I highly recommend that you go and see that. Uh, take a look at that because she writes on the great books and it really fits into the intellectual schema of, of what we're doing. So that's the, that's the first recommendation. Now, what, <clears throat> what I would like to do is, uh, I've, you know, I sort of introduced some, so let me, let me talk about some of the things that I've introduced leading up to this. So, um, over the course of these, these podcasts, you know, a couple of key things I've identified. One is what I call the Theresian effect, you know, and that goes back to my conversion. So with St. Therese and that, uh, sense that I had a familiarity, I had a certain understanding, but I didn't know what it was that I was understanding. And that, that led me then to pursue it. That means that I was therefore led to a journey. And that's the beautiful part of phenomenology where we tend to receive something that we intuitively understand or feel familiar with, but we don't really know what it is. <laughs> And that, that's what leads us forward onto what we call a journey. That's really where the journey... Otherwise, we just sit trapped in our head, you know, trying to rattle ideas around in our head. And so phenomenology and I, has that basic structure. And I want to help um, uh, and, and maybe bring a little bit more structure to that phenomenological approach uh, uh, today. Now, in the last episode... I quoted uh, several things. One of them was um, a paragraph from St. Louis de Montfort's True Devotion to, to Mary. And in that, it, there was this, this, uh, this notion of, of receiving that uh, we, we receive. Who is the Virgin Mary? She's the one from whom we receive. Well, she's, a, she's many things in the metaphysics of the church. Phenomenologically, what I pointed out was when I came into the church, I didn't know any of the metaphysics or anything. What I did know was that the, the prayer of the Hail Mary was beautiful because I, no one had ever told me I could pray to the Mother of God before. And that when I went before her image and prayed, I could sense that she was my mother. Now, that's a phenomenological reception of the Blessed Virgin Mary before I even knew, had the knowledge to know what the metaphysics were. And so from... Truly, as St. Louis de Montfort says, with the, and, and I'm, that I quoted last time about receiving Jesus from Mary, that's exactly what happened. And that was my description phenomenologically of what happened. 
And that's so, you know, I want to kind of bring, bring that piece together with the metaphysics so we can talk about how to bring metaphysics alive <laughs> in our Catholic metaphysics alive in our life. So that, that was, you know, that was, you know, one example. Now, the other thing that I talked about, so I've, I've, I've got the Theresian effect, right, that I've been talking about. Now, also last time, I had a quote uh, from uh, Therese's, uh, you know, uh, book and from the, the biography. I've got it. I've got it out on the uh, it's uh, it's it's on the uh, the page of the, of the of the last the notes of the last uh, episode. But from her biography, where she mentions, uh, Therese mentions this uh, moment of being out in a field and seeing this the storm and this this thunder and seeing this thunderbolt, and and as opposed to being afraid, she felt the presence of of God. And I talk about that as this fantastic phenomenological moment. I mean, it was a, just a great description of that, and that in fact that that really was a way of describing what happened to me on that day in 2008 when I had that moment with Joan of Arc that I keep talking about, that divine glance, that, that moment when devotion to St. Joan of Arc just sunk deep into my soul and then remains there today. And it was like a flash of lightning. It was like a thunderbolt. It was like that experience Therese had in the field. So now you see what I'm doing is I'm describing all this phenomenologically. I'm not describing it in terms of, you know, the, 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 the ideas and ideals and metaphysics of the church, which are important. You know, we have to make sure that, you know, the, those ideals and metaphysics form the boundaries. They form the guardrails on the trail of the dogmatic creed. But, but we need, while we're, while we're walking this trail to the kingdom with St. Joan and St. Therese, we're having experiences. And so the way we stay safe and we don't fall off and fall off into a ravine is we stay within the guardrails, which are the teachings of the church, the metaphysics of the church. But what I'm talking here is much more the phenomenological experience. So I'll refer to that, you'll hear me refer to that as we go forward as Therese's, you know, the Theresean thunder you know, or the Theresian, you know, the Theresian lightning or the Theresian thunder. And it will refer to that, that, that quote that I talked about when she was out in a field. So we have the Theresian effect and we have the Theresian uh, thunder and the Theresian lightning. And then also last time, the last thing I introduced last time was a quote from Régine uh, Pernou. I always say Pernoud because I'm you know, English, American, but from her book, Joan of Arc, Her Story. And this was the beginning of chapter one when there was a description by um, the, the Bastard of Orléans, um, uh, the Count of Dunois, who recalled hearing that there was a maid, hearing that there was a maid you know, advancing toward the Dauphin, the, the future king or the designated king. And it was this mysterious opening to her story that who is this? Who, there's, there's a phenomenon out there. And, and, and Dunois sent people to the Dauphin 
to inquire about what this phenomenal, I, I can't think of a better description of our phenomenological journey than the way Regine uh, Pernaud opens her book. You know, one of the things that you'll notice, and she even, she talks about, I, I believe, I've got to find it, I read it a long time ago, but she, she mentions the fact that she's, she's recording it as history, as, as she was introduced to history. So what is Regine Pernaud saying? She's saying that she's really writing the book and introducing Joan of Arc phenomenologically. So she doesn't start the book with Joan of Arc was born in Domremy in, you know, the year 1412. She doesn't, that's not the way, from her perspective, the story is told. History understands the story of St. Joan of Arc in that mysterious moment when, you know, when Dunois, who's the now the general of the forces, in the besieged city of, of Orléans when the English had them surrounded and was trying to defend really the last bastion of, of uh, safety for the rest of France. It was like the, 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 the pinch point. And he was, really, he was the general, but he heard of this mystery of this maid who was advancing to go speak to the Dauphin, the future king, that they were trying to protect what a mystery. And as Regine pronounced, this is, this is how history knew, uh, came to know Joan of Arc. We learned about her earlier years and her life in Domremy and, and all that. We learned, you know, much of that from, um, you know, the, the testimony and the trials, the original trial where she was uh, tried and then executed. And then 25 years later, the trial of rehabilitation when they went to, they found, you know, they could see that everything was so, so wrong in the first trial. And so there's so much information that comes out of that, that we learn much about her earlier life. But from pronounced standpoint, history knew her when she appeared on the scene. So what's an appearing? An appearing is a phenomenon. And what did Dunois do? He sent someone to inquire. And that is that, you know, so th this is, I could spend so much time trying to talk about this divine glance, this unreflective certainty that I have been talking about for a long time of St. Joan of Arc. And at the end of the day, you're still going to go, what do you mean? What is that really? And I can't think of a better way to describe it than from the last episode in this ep episode as talking about, first and foremost, the reception of our Lord from Our Lady and the uh, Theresian thunder, the Theresian lightning, and then the mysterious appearance of St. Joan of Arc as, some, as a phenomenon so intriguing that I must inquire, just like Dunois did. Really what I've described last time and this time is what the divine glance is really all about that I had with with St. Joan of Arc. So here's what I would like uh, for you to do as, as you ponder this, is to prepare to discuss St. Joan and St. Therese through this phenomenological lens and this attempt to bring phenomenology together with the metaphysics of, of the church. So 
I'd like to now, uh, to help you do that, I'd like to introduce a, a couple of statements from St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, from Edith Stein. You know, I talk a lot about her, so here's a couple of, um, here's a couple of statements. And this is from her book, uh, Finite and Eternal Being. And so she, she, she's, in a sec, she's at the front of the book in the first chapter where she's talking about essentially the, the, the truth. And, and I won't read this whole thing, but she talks about the fact that when you make a true statement, it's not really the statement that's true. The statement's really referring to something, some essence of being that is true. So we, we get sloppy. We say, well, that's a true statement. Well, the statement's not really, according to Edith Stein, the statement's not really true. It is referring to a, a, a truth that's behind it, some essence, some being that is, that is truth behind it. And so she, she makes a statement. She says, sentences express existing states of affairs and have their ontological foundation in them. Now, an important phrase in there is states of affairs. And she talks a lot about those, and I'll be talking about those as we go forward. Um, so what would be, what does she mean by state of affair? So, for example, let's say that we go out to a beautiful park. I mean, this is a, a gorgeous, relaxing place. It's just, it's wonderful. It's got a lake, and it's got a walkway around it, and it's got flowers and, and shrubs all around and fun playgrounds and picnic areas. It's just a, a delightful place, very stress-free place. And we can go out there, and what, what do we see? You know, we see, you know, going back to our, our Descartes and our Cartesian mind that we've escaped from, hopefully, that I escaped from, but in that Cartesian mind, we see a bunch of objects, right? We, and and we, 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 we see this lake, we see these flowers, we see these trees, and each one can be described in truth. And, you know, that's sort of the old uh, subject-object duality um, of mind and object that, um, you know, for me was quite troubling. It was that Cartesian thinking. And that, you know, the, the phenomenology of Edith Stein helped me escape. But, but you go out there and you see all that. Now, you can make a lot of true statements. So if we, if we go out there, this we're beautiful. I mean, it just, when you walk out, it just strikes you. What a gorgeous place. I feel so good here. Now you could sit there and you could talk about the flowers and the trees and the lake, and you could make a lot of true statements uh, or statements that point to, to truth. You know, that, uh, that lake is uh, 25 feet deep. Okay. Um, those flowers are red and yellow, okay? Uh, you know, and, and, and so the, the, the fact is, is that those are, that we're speaking to truth, to, to truth, and we're speaking of objects. And, but what Edith Stein's saying about states of affairs is that, that that's not really what we're experiencing, is it? What, we're, what are we experiencing? But it's the totality of all those objects together. It's the totality when, when you, it's that gestalt I was talking about in the previous episode, that, that moment when 
you, I, I walk you out into this park and the entire picture strikes you at one time. That, that total gestalt picture uh, hits you first. Before you look at all the little individual things and piece them together, the first thing you think when you walk out is, what a gorgeous park. I love this. And so what, what you feel is a sense of release of stress, just a sense of having received beauty, received calm, and, and peace. And, and then you begin to look around and you can see, oh, those flowers are beautiful. What a gorgeous lake that is over there. Oh, look, the kids are having fun over on the playground. And you start, you know, you're, you start putting, you start seeing those, those, those elements of it. Now, the states of affairs, the state of affairs of those objects is what are you receiving are you receiving the flowers, the lake, you know, as individual, independent components? Not really. The state of affairs that you're receiving is this sense of, of, of beauty, of wonder, of peace, of, of, of calm is what you're, is, is that, that's, that's the state of affairs. And, and in a certain sense, and this is something that even if you read, you know, Martin Heidegger, a big piece of his of his phenomenology, and he was a contemporary and even an, a, an acquaintance of Vidya Stein's, is that the actual objects themselves sort of disappear. You know, it's, it's, it, that, that state of affairs is where we're not really focused on those individuals. We're focused on that, that phenomenon that we're, that we're receiving. And the individual things sort of fade into the background. And yet they're, st yet they're still there. So, for example, let's go back to the Virgin Mary I talked about in the last episode. And I talked about the quote from St. Louis de Montfort and how in the first chapter one of the first paragraph, he, he talks about how, um, you know, God the Father was pleased to give us Jesus you know, only through the Blessed Virgin Mary. And therefore, we receive Jesus from the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that was, you know, that's really the, that's the state of affairs he's describing. Now, he could describe the Virgin Mary in terms of who she was historically, um, you know, who she is in terms of all these metaphysical concepts, uh, again, which are important. But what he's describing is this, I'm describing a particular state of affairs that when we take this magnificent, the most magnificent woman ever created, most magnificent person ever created, um, you know, outside of the, you know, of course, the uh, Jesus, true, true man and true God. But in terms of a purely human, the most beautiful and wonderful person ever created and certainly the most uh, perfect woman. And so the, the, there's so many different ways that we could describe what that means. But he's describing a certain state of affairs, which is that she is the one who, from whom we receive Jesus. And so just like when I take you out to that beautiful, um, that beautiful park, what, what I've given you is a sense of calm, peace, and well-being. And I brought beauty into your life. That's the state of affairs. 
Now, if you want to go all Descartes on us, you can start analyzing the flowers and making, you know, talk about photosynthesis with the trees and, you know, do, do scientific things and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. We have to have all that. But what we're talking about is the phenomenology, what we're receiving phenomenologically. I hope that helps you understand a little bit. With St. Therese, so what, what did I receive from St. Therese? So we could talk about her life story. She has an autobiography. There are all kinds of people written stuff. I'm, I'm using the biography written by uh, someone that knew the family. And so we could talk about her life historically and, and, and all that. But what did I receive from her? I received from her a sense of truth, beauty, and goodness that I didn't, I couldn't express at the moment, but I received that from her. What did I receive from her when it came to her interpretation of Joan of Arc? You know, her plays and poetry that really brought about that divine glance in me regarding Joan of Arc. What, what, what did I receive from her? It was that Theresian thunder, that Theresian lightning that she experienced when she was in the field. So you see, you see the difference between just sort of describing the, the, the raw metaphysics, describing the, you know, the, 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 just the pure sort of historical, the facts, the, the, the data about, about someone, which, again, I have to keep emphasizing, those are important. But we're not talking about trying to take all of that information and lock it in our heads somewhere and try to figure out what we're trying to do is say, can I describe what I'm receiving? And that's what I'm asking you to do as you go forward. As I talk about St. Joan and St. Therese using these, these, these sources is to think about what is it I'm, what are the, what's the state of affairs that I am receiving? as opposed to just what are the facts that I'm learning. And I think that will really help you. And then the last point would be St. Edith Stein says in her book, uh, Finite and Eternal Being, this latter statement, meaning that sentences, ex sentences express existing states of affairs. This latter statement should not, however, be construed as if these states of affairs were produced by the mind. They rather to prescribe for the mind the rules of its procedure. That's really, really important because you might be saying, oh, now wait a minute, isn't this really just subjectivity of me just making up whatever I want in my, in my mind? And what, she, what she's saying and the phenomenologists in general are saying is, no, actually, what we're trying to do is, is describe how we receive we receive as subjects with subjectivity and yet can describe, uh, you know, an ob sort of an objective reality. So it's actually the very opposite of just creating your own thing in your mind subjectively. That's kind of what we did with Descartes. That, that's exactly the, what they are wanting to overturn is exactly that. So that we can't help the fact that we are subjects with subjectivity, but can we phenomenologically describe in a way that represents some kind of 
manifested objectivity that we can share with other people. So it's so beautiful that, that Edith Stein says that rather, rather, than, rather than this data coming in and we, uh, these states of affairs are produced by the mind, I just sort of say, wow, this is in my magical mind, this is what it is. She's saying, no, that's not what we're saying. She's saying they rather prescribe for the mind the rules of its procedures. So that state of affairs, when I take you to that park, the park itself is presenting itself to you with its own rules of procedures. It's presenting it in a way where if you allow it to speak to you, it will present itself to you with its own rules of procedures in, in which it can fully give itself to you as opposed to you just kind of you know, making up whatever in, in your mind. And so that's what I'd like you to do as we go forward. I hope this maybe helps clarify a little bit. We're not talking about just sort of some subjectivity. We make it up in our mind. We're talking about a, an approach whereby we describe the phenomenon, the phenomenon that we're experiencing. So I hope those, I hope those examples give you something so, so rather than talk about the knowledge you're learning, the dates, you know, the, the sequences, rather than, rather than that, think about what is the, what's the phenomenon you're receiving. You know, again, I received Jesus from Mary. That's, that's what, I, that's what uh, Our Lady did for me. Um, the Theresian effect, the Theresian thunder, the divine glance with St. Joan of Arc, the mystery of St. Joan of Arc that I need to inquire upon. That is, that is phenomenologically how I describe what I'm learning. And so I hope that you will, um, I hope that you will uh, try, that, try that out as we go forward. So I've given you plenty to think about right now. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to end it there. I went a little bit longer than I normally do here. But uh, anyway, I've given you lots to think about. I look forward and let's keep this going because I want you all to be, you know, describing phenomenologically uh, what's what you're receiving from St. Joan and St. Therese. Thank you. And we'll talk to you later. God bless. Bye bye.